Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of In Our 1990s, the podcast where your two hosts are ranking all of the alternative albums of the 90s, that fine, fine decade that we all miss so much. Not really, but you know. Anyway, this is our uh, 40th episode, which means it is our second obligation special where we do shorter takes on four albums instead of longer takes on two albums. And uh, we have some bangers this week and one decided non-banger, which you're going to have to wait for that one. Um, So we're going to start this off with... uh, Diamanda Gallus, I looked up, I watched interviews to learn how to pronounce her name, and that's what they were saying, Diamanda Gallus, so that's how I'm going to say it. Uh, her 1991 album Plague Mass, um, which just before we get into it, this actually is a, this one stretches our rules a little bit because it's a live album and some of these songs were on her other, on other releases, but... As a singular performance. It, yeah, it totally is... A thing that like this this collection of songs in this setting is it absolutely works as its own album and should be judged as such so uh we're gonna we're gonna loosen the rules on this one <laughs> i know i was fudging it a little bit but it's really important and it's really good so. it is so good yeah so before so we- did i say oh so this is 1991 i it was actually released april 1st 1991 so as we record this we're just a couple of days away from the 30th anniversary of this album. Anyway, take it away. This is this is your pick. All right, so uh, Diamante Galas is a uh, soprano soffetto. Uh, I believe that's how it is. But she basically means she's a uh, counter, a, a, an alto who tr- managed to f- train her way into a sopranic range. So she's like a, a very like amazingly classically trained singer. And she... Has this just powerful, commanding voice, and throughout. Oh, sorry. She has a three octave range. Yeah, three octave. Well. But it's, but the, what's what's cool about it is that uh, she trained herself to have that octave, and not many people can actually do that. You can train yourself to go up and down to a certain degree, but to get full three octaves is rare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is just a, an insanely talented vocalist and and I don't I say vocalist for a reason and not singer because not everything she does on this album classifies as singing, but fuck it's is it powerful. Yeah, so this this album have if you look at the cover, she's shrieking on the cover covered in blood and it, it's plague mass and it refers to the aids epidemic uh many of her friends and family members her brother her brother yeah uh were either hiv positive or had aids and she was just watching it wreck her community and put a real performative like performance heavy intent I, w- I said performative there. That's not what I meant. Um, no, there was nothing performative about about this. She no, fucking, she... I mean, she was part of ACT UP, which was sort of like, I don't want to take this without the baggage, the obvious baggage, but sort of the PETA of AIDS activism. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were extremely in your face with their demonstrations. Um and and she was a big part of. I mean, she was very active in that. And so this was. I mean, this was very much her cause and very much something she was serious about. And outside of outside of played mask, her music has often had you know darker themes. She quotes the the litanies of Satan by Charles Baudelaire a lot. It's actually part of this performance too. Some of the litanies. Um, that was one of the pieces that appeared on a different album. That was then much better at home here, and she in Satanist communities she's very much embraced because she she very she embodies a sense of you know liberty, uh, shocking imagery, and clearly references to a more romantic literary form of Satan, which is like this is rebellion and freedom, um, and so that really speaks to a lot of of a lot of especially non theistic Satanists, and. That's why there's a running joke that if you leave a Bluetooth speaker unattended and publicly accessible for long enough with a bunch of Satanists around, something from Plague Mass is probably going to show up. <laughs> Usually the opening track. Um, 
but it's <sighs> which just just to show you what you're de- speaking of the opening track there are no more tickets to the funeral mm-hmm. th- this is these lyrics are i thought just incredible and and on that holy day and on that bloody day and on his dying bed he told me tell all my friends i was fighting too but to all the cowards and the voyeurs there are no more tickets to the funeral there are no more tickets to the funeral I I have goosebumps reading that, and if you think that I get goosebumps reading it, I you should hear her sing it. <laughs> yeah, because that's it's it's so it's a complete like audio sucker punch of a piece, and this whole album is, but like that is so it's so indirect with what she's trying to get at, and I think that things like this performance did make a big impact on the public's understanding or awareness of the struggle for, like, any sort of treatment for AIDS. And, like, this was still the time where people were, like, I'm dead. And people were considered themselves, like, walking corpses because they were not going to get any care. And people were afraid to give them care. And so... People, I don't think if you weren't... I mean, I wasn't, I was old enough to be conscious, you know, when the AIDS epidemic really hit in the early 90s, you know, I was 12, 13. So I I could, I could, you know, I I didn't fully understand, obviously, um, because I was not sexually active at that age. But like, I, I understood enough to hear adults talk about it. And like, you know, the, the, the phrase, you, you can catch it from a toilet seat, you know, which you can't, but that was the fear for a while. And if you watch uh, some real regrettable uh, Eddie Murphy stand-up routines from that period, you know, he has a whole thing about, like, this the super homophobic bit about, you know, oh, I don't date girls who hang out with gay guys because they kiss them on the lips and I don't want them coming home with AIDS on their lips. You know, you you don't understand just how toxic and uninformed and fear-mongering the climate was if you weren't there. Um, especially with with how de-emphasized AIDS is now, partially because it's become much more manageable. But in in the time that this was being written and recorded, it was not that. It was, I mean, it was people were terrified. People, um, people who had lived their whole lives having casual, often unprotected sex because of their status in society and just being pushed into the you know, dark clubs and, and alleys. It was a constant fear. Um, there, the, there's a song on Time Lord by Momus, Momus reference of the week. That's about. That's also about getting tested for AIDS for the first time after living through the casual sex eighties. And it's it it's you know it's very different from this because it's Momus. It's much more cerebral and 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 melancholy whereas this is just roaringly powerful (laughs) yeah Um, but it's it's you have to put yourself in the mindset of this time period when you listen to this and and if you do it will it will just blow you away it's it's absolutely effective art like even if you didn't know what it was about you get the understand you have the understanding that what the the implications of that first track just burn through the rest of the music and you still get that that very impressive wave of of that of that feeling, but once you know it, put it in context. Yeah, it's a completely different ballgame. So, yeah, yeah. So the so we didn't mention. I mean, this is mostly acapella. It's basically voice and percussion, and there is one track where I think there might be a guitar, but it's like it's just like scraping distorted noise. It's not being played musically and it's recorded in a church and the reverb just the her performance and the starkness of the arrangements and the natural reverb of that church it's just this combination this is why despite the some of these songs being released before and it being a live album it, all that goes out the window because mm-hmm. it sounds like it should never have ever been performed any other way but this. Yeah, absolutely. It was meant to be be performed in that church. And yeah. and sometimes a live album is that. Like there are Beatles albums where like the sound is like so great. People are like this is the way to listen to this song. But 
this is this is a complete art piece, and if you would take any one part of it out of it, I think it would it wouldn't work quite as well. It's gonna be great, but it's just it's a lot of moving parts just coming together into one great thing. Yeah, I don't think most of these songs. I mean, for obvious reasons, they're not singles, but also it's such a conceptual piece that I think you, with the exception of, I mean, I think uh, there are no more tickets to the funeral can stand on its own and. Uh, let my people go i think can stand on its own i think basically everything in between you kind of have to listen to it in in its context at least the first time i I would i can definitely see myself putting on uh how shall our judgment be carried out upon the wicked on if i'm having a bad day yes uh that's that's my favorite uh piece on the album it's just that's the one with the like scraping noises in addition to the it's like timpani drums and her vocals so i don't have a nice way to describe this sound she makes i i called it turkey call vocals (laughs) yeah occasionally she busts out into that and it's never not just it's I mean you've never heard anything like it on a record on a in a musical piece. It's, it's, it's kind of so like if a, effective. If a person can scrape metal with their voice in ways, yeah, it, it's. It, I mean, it's so raw and so like I don't mean to be inconsiderate of mental illness, but it it is. I I'm not saying I think she's mentally ill, but like. It is the sound of mental collapse mm. and like mental collapse specifically that would be seen as demonic possession because she's a, a lot of the lyrics. And I think this is both both the strength and a weakness of the album. A lot of the lyrics are very biblical and mm. like draw from Revelation. It's basically both the it's it's Revelation and the Old Testament and then intermixed with Baudelaire. It, it, yeah, and and also like some gospel, you know, some old old school hymns, but a lot of it's written in a kind of like faux King James language, a lot of like how shall we, you know, look upon the <laughs> these and thous and and stuff like that, which is pretentious and doesn't play well in 2021. It's a very 90s slam poetry kind of delivery. And I think that is that's like the the worst of the album is um, I think let us praise the masters of slow death is mm. is like kind of pretentious nonsense uh, like it's not nonsense in in the sense that it's thematically appropriate but it, it's like 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 there's one line where she's like you criticize me for my freak show I criticize you for your no show. And it's like, okay, this is like, this is bad. (laughs) Yeah. On an album that has so many, that has some lyrics that are just like sublime. Then she goes into like the aggrieved slam poet vocal delivery on that track. And it's like, okay, this, uh, this is not good. Um, But again, it's a, it's an artifact of its time in that sense. So I don't like, I'm not going to hold that against it too, too harshly when the rest of it is so fucking great. Because it achieves something that slam poetry can't on its own. It's like the evolution of what slam poetry was trying to do, and then she just reverts into that. And it's 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 okay. I mean, slam poetry was a thing in the 90s. It was. You know? it I went was. to many slam poetry nights in in, in my 1990s. <laughs> oh, my. Um, anyway, we're getting, we shouldn't go much longer on this. No. I, I think we co- totally, I think this should have been. I, like, I, f- I fucked up here. I was just thinking about the, the risk that it was the live album. And I was just like, if I'm going to sneak it in anywhere, it's going to be one of these. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, this could absolutely carry its own, its own episode. Um, I, I fucking love it. Uh, where do you want to, where do you think this one goes? Um, well, I personally uh, think it's probably number 10. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, so my take on this album is it's one of those that is absolutely brilliant and I will very rarely ever listen to it again because it's so uncomfortable. Oh yeah, you just needed to experience it because I, Um, like, when I asked you if you'd heard it before and you were like, no, I was like, okay, yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think that it, it, I think number 10 is probably good because, I mean, I think it could honestly go higher than that, just in on its artistic merit. 
I mean, it's, but up, it's up to you. I mean, I'm, when it, I'm, well, so here's the rest of that, though, is like our top 10 is stuff that I really liked listening to. <laughs> like everything in our top 10, with the exception of 69 Love Songs, is something that like is kind of like I can put it on any time and be down for it. Um, and this is like something that I will probably once a year want to like bring out and, and listen to it. But it's just so crushingly <laughs> powerful at what it does. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that 10 is good because it re- rewards how great it is, but also it's like kind of unlistenable. <laughs> Although I did the, my first listen, I was like, uh, that was my take because this is great and I never want to hear it again. Mm-hmm. And by the my by my like third or fourth listen, I was like, this is so fucking metal and so fucking good. And it like the the turkey call stuff like caught me off guard the first time, and I was kind of like, oh, I can't listen to this. And then you just get impressed that she and, can do it. Well, yeah, I mean it's impressive that she can do it, but then once you grasp how hard it hits. It, once you know it's coming, when she busts it out, it's it's never not just this like holy fuck! I am witnessing a demon possession, um, and and I I loved it by the end. So so yeah, I I think number ten is is perfect for this. Um, it, yeah. like in terms of don't really want to listen to it often, but it we should really reward how good it is. I mean, I was gonna I was gonna go for the moon and put say five at, at first. Um I, I would be cool with eight. Mm-hmm. I, I can't put it above something I like to listen to as much as spooky though. Yeah, no, I think ten's fine. Like it was just like it can't go lower than the top ten right now, because or I, I feel it what it can't. Um no, I don't think it. I, I absolutely think, don't think it should be lower than ten. Yeah, because it's it is just I, I I was just a little scared because when you when you make someone listen to Plague Mass, <laughs> you get a little scared. Yeah, but I like some fucking unlistenable music, so. And that's why I was like, I, well, my my whole thing is like, she's either gonna really enjoy this or tell me why it's trash, and like it's I, I can't really lose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. My first um, record for this week is one I also love, and that is uh, Twoism by Boards of Canada from, where are my notes, 1995. Um, so Boards of Canada, if you, if, you don't, if you aren't familiar with them, they're a Scottish duo. They're not Canadian, although they did live in Canada as children. So they're a pair of Scottish brothers who are very reclusive, don't do many interviews, and just makes this really haunting, but also PBS electronica. <laughs> That's like, it's really hard. They don't sound like anybody else. Yeah, it's like this, um, a good way to describe how this album sounded. Hearing this for the first time, I was like, this is PBS, now it's spooky time. Yeah, it, it's a, it's like a haunted PBS station with a hip-hop beat under his Boards yeah. of Canada. Um, which, like... If you know me at all, you know how much I love the idea of a haunted PBS station. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing with Boards of Canada, and this kind of goes with their um, whole aesthetic, is their earliest stuff, they would record it and then only give it to their friends. And that's what this was for a long time. There's still one Boards of Canada recording, at least one that's known to exist, but nobody is outside of their like immediate circle of friends has ever heard it. Uh, it's called acid memories and there are YouTube videos about it. And they've kind of, it used to be on their website as like one of an entry in their discography, but then people started like trying to find it and they took it off their website. <laughs> um, so that's like originally Twoism was a cassette only release limited to a hundred copies that they mostly gave to their friends. And then they would send them to people like guys from Autecker and like, try to get signed you know mm-hmm. and so eventually they did and that's why twoism was one of the early basically one of the only early recordings that got released as is um their first release was an ep called high stores and that one is like uh one of the tracks from see you later from this is on high stores so it, and and they kind of like recycle their music and parts of their music 
like this is obviously a group this like weird and reclusive and anonymous people obsess over to shit so there's like a lot of like boards of canada youtube is a thing where people like intimately dissect their stuff and i watched a video about how there's like a like three note sequence that reappears over and over again in a bunch of their songs and it's basically the one in 69er, the first track on this, like that chord, that kind of arpeggiated chord. Mm-hmm. It, you hear that repeatedly. So it, it's hard to tell sometimes if they're actually recycling like tapes that they made <laughs> or if they just kind of play the same thing a lot. But um, so, yeah, See You Later appeared and then um, Smoke's Quantity from this was on their first full length album, uh, Music Has the Right to Children. So... Yeah, so, I mean, they were coming up in the early 90s when Aphex Twin and Autechre and on one side were, like, all the rage, and then the other side was, you know, Acid House and 808 State and and stuff like that. And this album lands in between those to some extent. Um, I mean, it's, it's its own thing from the start. Like, like, 69 or the first track on this would go on to sound like everything else boards of Canada would ever make. <laughs> so to some extent they did have that like haunted PBS station thing right from the start. Mm-hmm. And but there are a couple of tracks on here that are way more Aphex Twin and Autechre influenced than like anything else you would ever hear from them. Um Bass Free is just straight up an Aphex Twin track, pretty much. <laughs> um I mean if if you think of uh, you know the ambient works records uh it it sounds exactly like that and then uh ice Cooley is it sounds more like melodically like boards of canada but it's a very like acid housey synth sounds which they don't really do again after this um so yeah i mean their aesthetic is like a huge their their aesthetic matches my aesthetic very well um they have like a repeated reference to hexagon sun like they i think their publishing like name is hexagon sun music and then they had like they did live shows like rare live shows under uh, the name the hexagon hexagon sun collective and that's like a like you you think about you know 70s film and like how in 70s movies if you pointed the camera at the sun it like a bunch of hexagons would like spiral out of the sun basically and that that is so that like washed out 70s film with samples from like educational like 70s 60s and 70s educational films is set over these really just mysterious like haunting synth tracks is like I, it's so it it's just so hits me right in my right in my wheelhouse <laughs> oh yeah no listening to this i'd never listened to this album before and it was like oh this is natalie music like the, the haunted pps thing hit me off the bat right off the bat and i was like this this pps is haunted yeah and unfortunately my favorite uh boards album is uh geo Gotti, and that's from 2002 but that one, you know, they sample number stations, they sample tons of, like, old science documentaries, um, and it's just so, it's, it's so perfect. I mean, it's one of my favorite albums ever, and I, 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 I need wish to, we could talk about it. I need here. to make people understand, when she talks about number stations, I caught her going to sleep with number stations playing, <laughs> and I was like, that I can't do. <laughs> but... Because the buzzer happened. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the buzzer is going to happen. It's still happening. You can go listen to it right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Boards of Canada is like, as far as electronic music in the sense of like, you know, techno slash dance music, they're by far my favorite artist. Um, and and like, I wish I wish people would rip them off more because I I would I need you know, you can only listen to every Boards of Canada album so many hundreds of times before you need <laughs> to maybe branch out. Mm-hmm. But like, there's, I cannot find anything else that sounds like them. Um, I mean, they get kind of lumped into like the hauntology thing, which I don't think fits them at all. Um, because I think most of that stuff is like boring. <laughs> but um, Yeah, so listen to Boards of Canada. 
obsess over boards of Canada. Um, and let's decide where to rank boards of Canada. Um, I mean, it's... I think it's probably mm, I could go shooting for the moon, I would say maybe twenty two and if you think that's too high, argue me down I mean it, like music has the right to children we'll get to eventually and and that's like definitely gonna go higher actually no, I think that's fine. Yeah, like, I, I, it's not as, I mean, it's just not as polished because they literally, like, recorded this in their barn in Scotland. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I don't know if they were recorded. I know at some point they recorded in a barn in Scotland and that was, like, their studio. But, um, yeah, so it's not as polished. That would put it just below Debut by Bjork, and it's not as polished as that album, obviously. And later on, they would get to that level of polish. So, I, but I mean, just the raw material is so fucking good. <laughs> um, so, okay, if you're cool with twenty two, then then it'll do at twenty two. Yeah, I think that's fine. For twenty two, for twoism. All right, and so let's take our federally mandated break, and we'll come back and talk about Mylene Farmer. We are back, and our next album is uh, by Mylene Farmer from 1990. This is called uh, L'Autre. And get ready for lots of bad French pronunciation, because I don't think either of us can pr pronounce French. But I know that title means uh, other or the other. Mm -hmm. um, I looked up some of some translations for some of this. Um, but anyway, this is yours again, Hadrian, so... All right. Uh, so uh, Maline was born in Quebec, uh, but actually raised in France. Um, so she's more considered like a French artist, uh, but she also did well in the United States. And in, in French speaking areas, her music is very popular. Uh, but this and actually this song, uh, this album, uh, the song Disenchanté uh, is. Uh, Disenchanté. Yeah. 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 Disenchanted, I, I assume. Dis yeah, is we'll what go that Disenchanted. <laughs> uh, or Disenchantment. Was pretty much the. Sorry, my notes are all blending together. Oh, sorry. Uh, it was number one in France for nine weeks. Is that what you were doing? Yes, for? and it actually was one of the highest charting French songs in all of Europe. Yeah, and I, I specifically looked that up because that is like. Far and away the best song on the album. Oh, I absolutely! Think. That's what I, I agree. It's, that song is great. Like I, I like that one and the title track, uh, but that's about like those are the songs that actually function the best. And, and I hate I hated the title track. You did? I don't like any of the slow songs. They're all too slow and weepy. Oh, I thought you would be like it sounds way too much like French Inca. Like, well, it just, so it sounds like. Lemon Incest by Serge Gainsbourg. Uh, this whole album does, and it's really mm -hmm. hard to think that she was not listening to Serge James Serge Gainsbourg's dance pop in the mid '80s and taking well, notes. Well, that's... Serge became a whole genre of music, so yeah. Like, so she's in that genre of music, and I don't just say that because he's the only French person I know. Um, I know Jacques Brel too. Come on, um, but because the song, uh, my other favorite song. Uh, Pas de deux, which oh, yeah. no doubt is apparently the whole song is a double entendre, and it's which is a very Serge Gainsbourg thing to do, where like the surface level is like a woman telling a man not to shirk his responsibilities, but like the read between the lines is that it's about premature ejaculation. Yeah. <laughs> so, which again is a very Serge topic. So yeah, well, and, and most of this album is dealing with a wide, uh, wide, wide variety of social and political issues and just the idea of staring into the French void, which apparently that's just what you do when you write music in France. Yeah, and well, also, I don't know if this came up when you were looking into it, but uh, an obsessed fan killed the receptionist at her 
mm-hmm. record label because they wouldn't tell the tell the, them where she lived. Yeah, that was in my notes. Um, that was actually the yeah. next thing I was gonna say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was kind of colored how like bleak some of this album is. Oh, for sure. I mean, it was it was bleak on its own, but that definitely she, you can you can tell though by the way that she sings and the way that she. Uh, chooses to do music videos she is very aware of a a deep allure within her music i'm not saying this is a sexual thing i think that's like she she invokes a lot of dark imagery and a like nihilism in some of her music that is very attractive to certain people who are willing to latch on to anything uh but a funny thing is that uh, so the song beyond my control where the only lyrics are "It's beyond my control," had a vid- music video that was banned from play because it is about werewolf fucking. <laughs> so it was just sex and her covered in blood, and that song is not that. That is not what that song sounds like. <laughs> but that is what that video looked like. Yeah, I mean, this song is like borderline something. I think should even like be on the show because it's very poppy. But it's just just dark enough, just Pet Shop Boys-y mm-hmm. enough that I think it does work. In the rest of the world, she was really more billed as, as an alternative artist. That's why I could I felt safe in picking it, even though she was classified as pop in France. Yeah. The rest of the world did not view her that way, because that's what French pop sounds like, and that's a bit dark. Um, right. It, it, <laughs> I mean, it is very... Yeah, I mean, it is very mainstream. Like from, I haven't listened to a ton of like French pop music from you know not the 60s this is like, this is very french um, like this is yeah, the most fatalistically french thing <laughs> right and so stylistically i mean it's i think that this i mean knowing that like again to, to keep bringing him up but the song limit incest by serge gainsbourg was like a minor hit in in mm. france like that's all you need to know i think to like get that this is very much where like the mainstream of france was at least in in the 80s and 90s was this kind of like sexualized cheeky double entendre like disco music <laughs> yeah and it's 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 very much my my other aesthetic because i'm very i'm i'm so i'm, so, I'm very into this sound and if you if you wore black lace it would have passed as goth in america so well, yeah and i was i mean just the cover of this album is like her laying there with a crow standing on like standing next to her or standing on her shoulder mm-hmm. and i was like oh this is some witchy ass shit and it's not at all it's it's, it's, it's way more Catholic, catholicism has fucked me up forever that's pretty much what agnes day is about <laughs> um yeah it's it but like the song uh jetain melancholy is so it sounds so much like madonna mm-hmm. the i mean way more than anything else on the album but it is just straight up like i want to make a Madonna song. Here is my Madonna song. Yeah. And it's killing me because it, it sounds like a specific one and I can't pull. It's not Justify My Love. But it, have... it's, yeah, it sounds like something that Madonna did around the same time. I'm a poor, I'm a bad queer with zero Madonna knowledge. Yeah, so. I don't really like Madonna, but outside of like a handful of songs. So I that's why I can't pull it. But it's something from the like Justify My Love era Madonna is what it sounds like. But yeah, um, and Padi do my my other favorite song. I also have, just have to note how much it sounds like a fucking anime in credits song from the late eighties. I also, I also, which is why it's my favorite, my second favorite song. <laughs> I mean, Desenchanté is is just like fucking brilliant pop song. Um, oh, it's it's that is the most pet shop boysy. Like, yeah, it, it's like it hits and it hits in the same way that like, it's a sin hits, mm-hmm. but not quite as like not quite as gay as that. Like it was, it's it's pretty gay. It's a pretty gay song. Yeah. Uh, but it's oh, there were absolutely gay discos where the Scott played. Like, there b- had both to have of those been. songs. It was this and it's a sin. That would have been just like, do you hate yourself and want to dance away the pain night? Come on down. Yeah. Um, and I mean, being nineteen ninety, it still sounds very eighties. <laughs> and that and that's that makes sense because France musically, at least as far as I know, for the periods that I music that I listen to, didn't change a whole lot with the times obviously you have rappers and you have more mainstream pop artists but there was always like that like you had mc solar yeah <laughs> it's like this is this is this is just what french music sounds like 
And that's why I likened it to Anka, because I feel this style of music is going to reach that point. Well, yeah, which, I mean, the French equivalent of Anka is probably Chanson. Yeah. Like Jacques Brel. So, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with that, because, I mean, to some extent, this is also very... It just has that same just overbearing melancholy. You can, you can, <laughs> that see, a, you can see a drunk businessman singing this in a bar. Yeah, I, I was like, yes, yeah, no, I, I'm really happy with this little album. Yeah, I was not. I don't like it nearly as much as you do because I think all the slow songs are bad. <laughs> and that uh, was always a calc- That was always a risk. Yeah, I, like I liked all the upbeat disco tracks and don't like any of the slow songs because they're, they're just too depressing. Um, so what are you thinking on, on the ranking for this one? Uh, maybe 41? Uh, just going straight for the, just taking the knife right to my heart, putting it above shoegaze. Um, <laughs> you, you will suffer my French alt <sighs> baby pop. 41 through 43 are some real fucking strong albums to put this above, I think. <laughs> I know you don't care about, about when in Vanitas, my, my, like, weird instrumental noise album um should i convince you to put it at 42 and and not put it above because i do think that nowhere is is a better album on the whole than this i'm not particular to that particular arrangement so yeah i was not trying to hurt your your album oh no i don't think that i was joking about that i mean yeah yeah okay i think it's better than when when invidious though yeah I, i mean this would be like a probably in the like low 50s for me <laughs> for me personally but um if you think it's De, uh, De Chante is so uh, that's a great song it, it just slaps and like that's that's what i remembered when i was flipping through the album list that you gave me i was like oh that that one song slaps oh yes it does it continues to okay well we will i think that 42 is a little high but you can talk you, to, uh, you know give me a number no, I Okay, I so I don't think it should go above Cape Cobra and Phases Group. I think that album is way better than this. And okay. that would put it at 46 to put it right below that one. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, if, if you're sure. Again, I'm not mar- I'm actually not married to this placement. So I threw out a number Yeah, and and that's not just to like put it below when in Venetus. I, that is specifically, I think, Cobra and Phases Group is a, a way better album with French lyrics than this. Is. That's no, that's fine. Okay, so that'll put it at number six, or number forty-six, not number six. Okay, and that brings us to my second pick and our last album of this episode, which is God damn it, I don't. I'm offended to talk about this album. To Candlebox some fucking sucks. Can- debut list. album by Candlebox called Candlebox from 1993. So like, this album's so bad. God, okay. I hate this album I'm a, so I'm a, much. I'm gonna let you do your intro, but I'm gonna say a thing first. Okay. The entire time I've listened to this fucking album, I was sitting there like, I have heard this before. At some point, I have heard this, but I don't. I did never knew what it was. And then I realized it's just the sound of dads in the 90s. It was the sound of every alternative station. That like it was in between, it was in the, the middle of the day, and maybe someone's listening, and then saw all the songs that sounded like this but were better played around these songs, and I'm like, <sighs> so I have this feeling that I've heard this before, but it is so unremarkable <laughs> that I will not remember it after this. You have almost certainly heard it because this album went quadruple platinum. I've just, I, it just sounds so this generically was a mega 90s. Hit. Yeah. Um, and mostly, they all look like someone's older brother. <laughs> it was mostly a hit on the strength of, uh, God, what are the two songs? You was one of the singles and Far Behind. And it's, it, this, this, so this band is just fucking proto Creed. Like, they're Creed before Creed. Oh, for sure. There's that feels like right there in the, um, in the vocals. So they were, so, okay, so I'm going to start with a positive. So they get criticized, and and I have criticized them, like I made fun of them and called them, you know, Pearl Jam Part Mm 6. But the thing is, they were Seattle natives who were, like, playing shows as early as 1991. So they were, like, right on the cusp of grunge with everybody else. 
so they weren't like this Johnny come lately. Like people would, people were pretty vicious to them. Like despite this, I mean, it was kind of the the Creed or Nickelback kind of thing where. Wait, are you laying up an elaborate story to say that Pearl Jam stole their sound from Candlebox? Oh fuck no! <laughs> um, but I mean, it they developed Candlebox developed their song their sound right along. So they were apparently really good friends with Alice in Chains, mm. which helped their career greatly. Um, and, and so people actually like accuse them of like moving to Seattle and then like just to rip off the sound and pass themselves off as a fake Seattle band. But no, they were, they're a real Seattle band and there's too much doors here for them not to be a real Seattle band. And it just, you know, so what I think where I think they go. So, Oh, the other thing is that speaking of Madonna, they were the first like really successful band on Madonna's record label Maverick, hmm. which also brought us the Deftones. So something I heard, like I watched a, a video, um, and I wish I could remember the name of the YouTube channel because they do pretty all right videos about like rock music. Um, it's like rock and roll stories or something like that. Anyway, um, it, like what a lot of people said was like they just were not ready. Candlebox was j they were not ready as a band. They weren't ready as songwriters, but hey, they were another Seattle band and they hadn't been signed yet. So let's mm -hmm. sign them up and send them out on tour, ship them out. And even Candlebox kind of said that themselves. They were kind of like, you know, we were, it's like, yeah, we were there and, and like playing shows at the same time, all these other much more famous bands were, or much more respected bands were, but just kind of like, it was kind of too soon. Um, or maybe they were never going to have it. I mean, that's kind of how I feel listening. To this I mean, I, I don't, I just don't think they were ever going to really have it because it's just, it's, it is very forgettable music. It's, like, yeah. It's entirely, the only thing that I can remember off of this is I think the chorus from you is okay. Mm -hmm. I think that song is generally like not the worst fucking shit I've ever heard. Oh yeah. No, when I got to that, like mother's whatever the fuck song like that. But it, no. that's the problem is I would rather it be the worst shit I've ever heard because what it is is fucking nothing. Yeah. It's it, so like it doesn't like I hate Silverchair too and Bush and like those fucking like second wave of grunge bands. But those bands had like some energy and this just sounds like every rough edge has been polished to a fine shine and the songs aren't good to start with. I mean, again, they're not terrible, but they're just blandly competent. I think that's probably that, that speaks to why, in my memory of music like this from the '90s, it is just filler because that's what they were treated like by their label. That's what they were conceptually, even if they weren't doing it intentionally. Is just filler. Yeah, I mean, this band was absolutely not filler for Maverick. They were the first. I mean, like I said, the first thing that Maverick signed that blew up. And it was just that they blew up for a very short period of time. And they kept putting out albums, but... No, they, I, I remember, because there would be, like, those big alternative rock shows in, like, Dallas and Tulsa. And there'd be every year, like, this year we have Candlebox! And, like, <laughs> like okay. I, I, I know Metallica. I remember that name. But, yeah. Yeah, if I didn't know who Creed was, I would have thought that, like... Oh, this this guy must have like gone on to start to be the guy who sang for Creed. His voice isn't quite douchey enough. <laughs> it's pretty douchey. Yeah, but the guy from Creed, you just have a little sousson of a <laughs> uh, <laughs> of a a Jesus complex, and uh, there you go. Well, so you should watch the video for you. Um, it is so fucking hilarious and so bad. And doesn't at one point have him standing in the Jesus Christ pose with his arms out, but they've superimposed two rows of lit candles on each arm that are like melting down over his arms as he's like standing there with his crucifixion pose singing. I stand corrected. And meanwhile, there are two girl, two women dressed like little girls and like like flower girls, I guess. Like they have little like flower headbands and white dresses sitting next to each other 
and they're just sort of like doing pretentious like interpretive dance while sitting but then all of a sudden one of them like literally like holds her arms up like that like i don't what do you call that since this since people listening can't see like me. a tiger claw attack yeah like she turns toward her and like suddenly does the like did it get you <laughs> and then there's like the rest of the video is like intercut scenes of the band performing, the lead singer doing crucifixion poses, and the two fla- the flower girl, the one flower girl like humiliating the other one. It literally paints a fucking Joker smile on her at one point with, with lipstick. It's so fucking hilariously, so hilariously bad, so self serious. You have to watch it. That is such a 90s video. Oh, but it's it's bad even by that standard. Like, it's bad in by the standard of pretentious, self-serious, dumb guy rock music videos from the 90s. Uh, it, it's the best thing Candlebox ever did. <laughs> oh my god. I... Because there is... Because it does something. It tries and falls on its ass and breaks its nose somehow in falling on its ass. But that's more than any song on this fucking album does. Like, because it's so just safe and polished and just nothing. And if you want to talk about The Doors... (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I So, the people who listened to bands like Candlebox in, in my high school... Uh, also really liked The Doors. It would just play The Doors all the time. And now, every time that I hear something that sounds like The Doors, I feel a little bit violent. I can't. And this, and the, the thing is, is that, that ruined any, like, like positive spin I could have put on this. Like, well, you know, it was popular, blah, blah, blah. blah. But, yeah, no, it's just fucking Doors. Yeah, I, I mean, this is, that should have been like in our wedding vows, I promise, to continue to hate the doors. I fucking hate the doors. Because we both hate the doors. <laughs> <laughs> but they did result, They did at least give us that wonderful Bruce McCullough song about being a Doors fan. Which true. is the best thing about the doors. Oh, but yeah, this, this album is bad. Man. Yeah, I, and I have one more thing to say. The fucking song Blossom. Oh, God. Did you listen to the fucking lyrics for yeah, that song? Yes, I did. <sighs> Fuck me. So my my notes on the song say that it's one of those deeply patronizing songs where a man tells a potential lover that he wants to watch her blossom and show her things never seen before. And then I wrote in all caps, PUKE! <laughs> <laughs> because this song sounds like child porn. I'm sorry. But like, yeah, that, that, that's, that song is basically grooming. It is! It's like, girl, you don't know anything, and let me teach you about the world, and then then see how you grow because of all the things I teach you. And it's like, you are so gross! And just just the number of times that songs just completely wholesale still the fucking breakdown from Evenflow. Like, the first two songs, back-to-back. Absolutely. Steal that wholesale. Like, yeah. down to, like, the same, like, like, the the way the guitar, like, does a muted, like, palm muted picking that, like, kind of doubles the bass line. It's, oh, so fucking bad. It's everything I hate about 90s music. Yeah. So give the, Add that video on top. Yeah, this is a it's, okay, perfect so, storm. Um, no, the video is the best thing about this band by far because it's so stupid. So, this is the this is the worst song, the worst album of the nineties. Oh, for this, sure. This is way worse than the. Pod. I would I would listen to the pod again before this. And and I have a like, I think the pod is largely unlistenable garbage, but I have a grudging respect for like how unique it is to Ween. It, this has nothing unique about it. No, it, it is like again, like it, it, I was like, am I listening to Metallica? Now I'm listening to Pearl Jam, but then it's the Doors. And, like, that's what this album is. Yes. So I'm glad that we don't have to have a fight, because I, I would not let this go above above a Ween album. Oh, <laughs> even no. Even the worst Ween album, I'm not letting it go above. <laughs> okay. That's that's 40 episodes in the bag. Oh, dang. We are uh, coming up on a year of how long we've been doing this. May is when I looked back, and it was May is when we started, so... 
almost a full year of, of the show. Yeah. Okay, so as is our custom here on in our 1990s, I'm going to read out the top 10 to close out the episode. Uh, our new number 10 is Plague Mass by uh, Diamanda Gallas. Number 9, Slanted and Enchanted by Pavement. Number 8, Superstition by Susie and the Banshees. Number 7 is Spooky by Lush. Number 6, Vary by the Pet Shop Boys. Number five, The Philosophy of Momus by Momus. Number four, 69 Love Songs by The Magnetic Fields. Number three, Liberation by The Divine Comedy. Number two, Get Lost by The Magnetic Fields. And number one is Nonsuch by XTC. If you want to see every album that we have ranked, you can go to bit.ly slash nr1990s. That's bit.ly slash nr1990s. And if you want to hear all of the albums that we've ranked you can search us on spotify search for in our 1990s we have two playlists there uh one for the first six ish months of the show eight months of the show and and then our new one for 2021 and uh so we'll be back next week to rank two more albums as we start the forced march toward episode 50 um what are you going to be bringing for next week adrian well i'm going to be bringing uh play by Moby. Oh man, you went you went there. I mean, it's a hot off the presses time yeah. to talk about Moby. This is because I showed you the the insufferable Moby tweet that's like a picture of him pointing at you, you the viewer, and it says something like, "If if everyone was vegan, there would be no pandemics." Mm-hmm. I was like, which is patently false because. Pandemics are not caused by just wet markets and animals kept for that purpose. It's it's dumb. Moby's because, a gross piece of shit, and we're going to talk about his music. <laughs> because guess what, Moby? There would have been rats and fleas, and the bubonic plague still happened. Nope. Regardless of if everyone ate turnips or not, which was disproportionately more likely what they were eating. They probably swallowed some fleas, so they're not vegan. <sighs> that's not let's not do that uh, no I, I'm not I don't hate vegans I hate I'll, vegans who act like Moby for clarity I'm vegan <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah I know I really wanted to I, then I started listening to the South Side and then I was like yeah South Side and I really like that song alright well I'm going in a very different direction um, I'm going to do um Stick around for joy by the sugar cubes. Okay. Because I want something light after this week. Because <laughs> <laughs> as much as as good as Boards of Canada and Mylene Farmer's albums were, I mean, they did not take the edge off of either. Plague Mass is a brilliant but incredibly difficult listen, and Candlebox is fucking bullshit and a difficult listen because of how bad it is. So I need something upbeat and cheery for next week. So it's it's going to be the final sugar cubes album. All right, well, look forward to those next week, and uh, or or don't, in the case of Moby, I don't know. <laughs> I have to go look up the original track order of, Mo- of Play, because they re- the only digital version is the re-released version that has a million extra songs, and oh, like, God, that album was no, not that long. Nobody needs that. All right, so we'll be back next week. Uh, please join us again. <laughs> <laughs>